there are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Hey, this is DeRay, and welcome to Pod Save the People. This is a bonus pod that is dedicated exclusively to the events that have unfolded in the past 48 hours in Charlottesville, uh, where white supremacists came into the town of Charlottesville, came onto the campus of UVA uh, in an effort to provoke violence and to promote an ideology of hatred. I have the governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, on the podcast today. He is rejoining us. As you know, he was on a couple weeks ago. And then we have some incredible student leaders uh, from uh, UVA who have joined us as well. So we have Devin and Wes, who are two leaders in the Black Student Alliance at UVA. And then we have Danielle, who leads the NAACP chapter at UVA. Let's go. So now is my conversation with Devin and Wes, two incredible student leaders uh, at the University of Virginia who lead the Black Student Alliance. Wes and Devin, thank you both for being on Posse of the People. I know that this has been a a long 48 hours for you both and a trying 48 hours. Uh, thank you for, for joining in the midst of that. Uh, Wes, I'll start with you. Can you just help us understand uh, what happened and what it was like uh, to be on the ground in the midst of all of it? Right. Uh, well, first of all, um, everyone must be clear this is a terrorist attack. This is a white supremacist terror, terror attack. Um, they sto- they marched through grounds uh, in an attempt to intimidate students. Um, that's what that was um, on Friday night and with torches. And Devin was actually there then. So you should talk to him in a little bit about how that experience was. Um, but this is something that's been going on for a while. Um, Communities of color um, and activists have been targeted um, and, and battling these white supremacists. And they've been drawn to this sort of statue, um, this this statue of uh, Robert E. Lee and of, of Stonewall Jackson. Um, you know, they're not just historical artifacts, but they're rallying cries. And when they were erected in the 1920s, they were meant as symbols of white supremacy. So when you sort of threaten that, when you sort of tell the truth and threaten that white supremacy, um, that value, then these people have sort of swarmed and decided to attack and silence us through violence, through intimidation. And that's what happened um, when protesters were beaten and gassed and when they walked through grounds and attempt to intimidate uh, students as well. Devin, can you talk about what was it like for you to be there? How did we get here? Okay. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll go into it. So the question I'm going to go to first is how did we get here? That's an extremely important question. And it's a different it's a question that changes where you are. How did Charlottesville get here? Well, racial tension has been a long, a much too long lived aspect of life here. Um, the U, the university UVA has a very tumultuous history with race. Um, in in the contemporary sense, you know, with Marquise, with the movements um, and, and the protests that resulted from his being on the corner to low student enrollment for black people. There's less than a thousand, about a thousand, I think, black people in a a school of 26,000, you know? Um, But how did we get here? This summer, I think, is the culmination of a lot of white insecurity. People have felt that the last eight years of progressivism of a change in the language of how we talk about race and gender, they're, they're sickened by it and they feel like their way of life has been threatened. And now they want to come outside because they feel like they can, I think with this new administration in the white house and they want to make, they want to normalize white supremacy and they want to feel good about being white again. And they want to feel safe and with their position in the world. Um, and I think that's what brought them out. What is it like to be on the ground? It is difficult. I'm one of those people who can't help but like process the abstract, even in the moment. So, you know, you're at the statue and you see the, 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 the horde of white men with torches approaching you. And you're like, man, am I doing this right? Like, is this how, you know, Dr. King did it? Is this how X did it? Is this how it's supposed to go? Um, 
but you got to be present too, right? And you have to think about your safety and there's so many considerations and it's all happening so fast. And you're like, I think I was proud in the moment. I was like, I'm so glad I'm here. Like, this is scary, but this is really, this is clearly where the work needs to be done. Now, do you think, and either one of you, you know, respond as you, as you wish, do you think that the mainstream media from what you might have seen, and I know, again, like, you were there, right? So, like, it was all of us seeing it on TV or seeing it on Twitter. Uh, do you think there are parts mm-hmm. of the story that have not been told correctly about um, about either Friday night or about Saturday? And if, if they've not been told correctly, uh, how would you how would you tell it now? Uh, or are there parts of, that you think have been told correctly in pieces, but you want to reemphasize something or tell a different part of the story? I, I would say one thing is that um, I, I'm not sure if this is the case now, um, but then when these events tend to happen, you see uh, sort of a counterpoint. People will paint all of the, the counter protesters in the same basket as white supremacists. Um, you know, they'll say, okay, and this is what's coming from the president. He's saying there's violence on both sides. Um, but what I saw is that I saw the uh, white supremacists, the alt-right, they were ready for, for battle and they were throwing these, you know, chemical bombs and rocks and they were perpetrating um, most of the violence that I saw. I saw people practicing self-defense. I saw people um, going out of the way to defend people. And oftentimes agitations did start up, but, you know, people will tend to paint these things as the same and equal. Um, and it's, it's not true. I mean, Charlottesville was under attack. Charlottesville residents were under attack. Charlottesville residents of color were under attack. They went to um, and actually harassed a uh, low-income Black community in Charlottesville until um, more protesters came up to sort of chase some of the white supremacists off. Really? We didn't, I hadn't heard that or seen that on, on anything. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I, I, can talk to, I can talk to that some more. So it was really scary when it was unfolding because um, the police shut down the Unite the Right rally because it was, it was about to get dangerous. People were getting really rowdy. Um, I mean, they were throwing water bottles at protesters. I mean, I tasted so much pepper spray and so much gas just from standing with my sign, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so the police shut that down a little bit before 12 o'clock. And after that is when things almost got more chaotic because... Uh, not long after, uh, I think a state of emergency was declared and people were beginning to take shelter, but we're also like, people need to be keeping eyes on these proud men, like these proud boys is kind of what we call them. Uh, <laughs> these white supremacists, it's like, you know, where are they going to go next? Cause you know that they're just looking for trouble. They didn't bring those assault rifles to not use the second amendment. You know what I'm saying? Like they came with the plan and, um, information got circulated that they were targeting a a black neighborhood called Friendship Court it used to be called Garrett Square. Um, it is a low-income black neighborhood on the south side of Charlottesville. Um, and so people, I think, were heading in that general direction to try to do something. And that's around the time when the car attack came. I didn't. I never got to see whether or not um, the supremacists actually showed up to that neighborhood. But just the fact that they were targeting people of color just showed what they really came to do. Mm-hmm. From somebody who wasn't there, uh, it looks like there were police who were generally present, but it looks like they didn't intervene either with the white supremacist militia. They didn't intervene as white supremacists were attacking um, the counter protesters, but you were there. So I'd love to know, like, what were the police doing, if anything, uh, during the the most intense parts of the, uh, the interactions? Well, I would say for one, um, some context is that when the KKK were here on July 8th, um, police use excessive force against many peaceful pro- protesters. Um, and as you've seen through the pictures, they were heavily militarized, dropped pepper spray bombs and um, arrested folks um, just simply for trying to cover their faces. Um, so compared to that uh, and some of the brutality that was on the, the smaller KKK rally, it was better in the sense that the, the police didn't sort of weren't hostile to the activists, but at the same time, um, you know, there were a lot of situations that I saw that could have been broken up or um, avoided if police had stepped in. Uh, and th- and they also did end the alt-right rally early. Um, so that was, again, something in July, they let them run way over. But here they just sort of, they did just sort of watch. Another thing, though, is I would say is that the alt-right is increasingly adopting these military-grade uh, shields and assault rifles, et cetera. And, and some, I've seen a few pictures where you actually have alt-right people uh, in, you know, for example, there's a picture of the assault 
of that um, the Black Shelter resident and that video. Those are actually all white people with him and not National Guard. Um, but there were definitely instances where the police did not intervene and they definitely could have helped and um, save a lot of people from serious injury. I want to talk about, yeah, um, what, what the police did. Um, so on Saturday, during the rally, during some of the most intense parts, there it happened. It just kept happening and happening. These small skirmishes would break out between um, members of those, those neo-Nazi dudes, like the ones who were kind of on the perimeter of the park. You know, they'd be taunting, throwing things at, like, the protesters, and, you know, words would be exchanged, and then, you know, you see, like, fists fist going, and then everyone, like, breaking, about to run. Um, and I didn't see any police intervene with any of the brawls that broke out, but what I did see was people de-escalate the situation, and I think that saved a lot of lives on Saturday because you would have this fight break out, and you're like, okay, these guys are about to use use force. Like, I know, I know they want to. And then you'd see, like, you know, people, like, grab, grab the belligerents and, and move them out of the way and de-escalate the situation, de-escalate, de-escalate. Um, and so I just wanted to give the people their props on that one. I think a lot of responsible activism was carried out and performed on Saturday. Yeah. So after we saw the white supremacists attack people and after we saw um, the guy run through a crowd of, of counter-protesters, uh, we shortly thereafter... Uh, watched so many politicians release statements, whether it was the mayor of Charlottesville, the governor of Virginia, uh, Trump, a host of other people. Uh, what is your take on those statements that have been released? So I, the one the one thing that jumps out at me first is that I'd like to talk about Governor McAuliffe's response. I was moved. I was so pleased with the governor's response. People have, in this in this country, people have said for years that just ignore them. And before the summer really got going in force and before the rallies on July 8th and yesterday, the message that people who postured themselves as intelligent or professional were saying was stay at home, just ignore them. You're buying into it. And I just always scratch my head at that. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, White supremacy, racism, hatred, these things aren't, you know, some benign cyst. Like when they are unaddressed, unchallenged, they take that as a as an endorsement and and they and they grow. And that's why we're dealing with this now, because people have just been so silent and so so um so relaxed. They don't they don't want to be active and progressive about chasing down and stomping out white supremacy with love and reason. Um and so <laughs> um Governor McAuliffe, it was just so refreshing to hear a politician risk his neck and just say like go home, right? And it's, and it's crazy because, you know, that, that's, that's cutting ties with a community that has a really strong grip on politics, if you haven't noticed. And so I want to commend the governor for his statement. Um, the university community, I think, was very, very disappointed with the persistent neutrality of university officials. Um, Teresa Sullivan sent out uh, an email. She's the president of the university. Um, and, and we noticed that there was there was there was no words about um, the beating of students on 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 the Jefferson statue. So I wish that individuals wouldn't toe the line so much. Um, the president's statements were ridiculous. It's like Charlottesville sad. No, you're you're sad. Um, I, I, it's sad that our president can't articulate more about the situation uh, than Charlottesville sad um, or that uh, bigotry on many sides. Um, very disappointing. What I thought was crazy is that, you know, even Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz kind of came out and explicitly said white supremacy and identifying that for what it is in terrorism. Uh, that's a first step. And I think um, you're seeing many people like this, this, this March was the culmination, as, as we said before, of white supremacy. This is the ugliest face of things that we've been dealing with for a very long time. Um, so the first step is sort of acknowledging that this is terrorism, this is white supremacy. And the next step is acknowledging the roots of white supremacy, right? Um, and that's part of what, you know, moving the statues about also. But, I mean, recognizing, you know, even in Charlottesville, it's a very segregated city. And there's, 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 a, there's roots for, to that, right? Um, so there's, housing has persistently, persistently been a problem in uh, Charlottesville ever since they raised a, uh, a, a black community called Vinegar Hill in the 1960s. Um, so 
once we, you know, I think once people start able to to label white supremacy, and then you can, we need to. What are the next step for us is to sort of channel that anger and get and 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 not only educate people but mobilize people, right? Mobilize um, mobilize more students definitely. Um, August twelfth was the you know the 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 white supremacists chose that date on purpose because students wouldn't be there. Um, they chose to they were able to march across the grounds because students wouldn't be there. So my hope is that if uh, they ever threaten anything like this again, we can activate students out here as well. And what does this mean for you as the school year begins? So school starts soon in a week or so. How does this, if at all, influence what you think of as your role for the year ahead? I think for, for a very long time, um, black students and, you know, the Black Student Alliance, we talked about, oh, well, we need to get connected with the community in Charlottesville um, as an abstract. But I think this is a very real example of how this all ties together. This is a very real example of where people are seeing, now seeing the need and the urgency um, for some very important work. Um, so I think that's sort of the tone I'm getting. Uh, you know, some people, I, I'm seeing some, some, some debates about HBCUs, so there's PWIs, and some people might just be like, well, um, so you might be kind of down on, on UVA, but I think for the most part, this is a good opportunity for us to start doing some real um, organizing and start to uh, move and, and and work with some of the uh, the other organizations showing up for racial justice, UVA Students United, who've been um, also doing some of this great, fantastic work. UVA is a place where there are a lot of very intelligent students in our in our in our student body. That was a little bit redundant, but UVA is full with intelligent students, and I am optimistic and pessimistic simultaneously about the student response um, in the coming year because what I've seen. Uh, from UVA students in my first year, and I'm I'm referring to you know white normative UVA students is an an incredible amount of apathy with the racial dynamics and history of UVA. Like it's almost as if these people think that they are above the racial conversation. They don't need to have it. They consider it a nuisance still, and they don't understand that like things don't change until you take responsibility, until everyone takes responsibility. You are included in everyone. This needs to change. Um, and we've already heard from a number of student organizations uh, that are predominantly white expressing their desire to support and get behind the BSA for the upcoming academic year. And you better believe that every, everyone is going to open a hand to us, is going to find our hand um, in theirs, and that we're going to reclaim our grounds together. But... Um, I'm very disturbed and alarmed to know that I already know that a lot of people just won't care. And I really want to echo that because um, immediately after the rally, uh, this is not us was trending. Um, and, and that important step is to recognize the roots of white supremacy, to recognize this is not just some outsiders coming in. Even Terry, you know, Governor McAuliffe, um, as much as I respect his statement, did say, you know, these are sort of outsiders coming in and I kind of cast them as a separate element. And, I have no way of knowing where everyone came from, but I think to, to sort of not recognize um, the roots of white supremacy within uh, Charlottesville or the history of the University of Virginia is, is, would be a mistake as well. Um, and and the, the sort of common description of Charlottesville is that it's a progressive, you know, quaint liberal town, and that's very true, but it's also, there's a lot of inequality that um, some of the, the wealthier residents are some student that students even you know there's definitely a student bubble uh, don't notice, and that's part of our job to to push that as well. I want to add one more thing. I've noticed that the racial conversation, at least in Charlottesville and to some extent nationally, has been very cyclical. This is not UVA's first time dealing with racial issues. It's not Charlottesville's first time dealing with racial issues, and every time we get the same thing, something bad happens. We talk about it. We feel bad. And then they're back on the BS, you know, the next day. And that can't continue. Um, a good example of this would be after the Martise Johnson um, incident, right? You, I think there was a ton of student movements, you know, for change, for better racial attitudes on grounds, people trying to work with the administration, and just a ton of cooperation. But, you know, fall of 2016, my first year, someone writes, you know, nigger, you know, or sorry, what did they write? Yeah, they, yeah, they wrote the N-word, you know, on, on people's dorm room doors. And it's like people don't understand that, like, these kind of changes happen bottom to top and that it's not enough for the people who you care about and, and the people who are prominent to say, no, this is bad. It's like you have to believe this is bad and you have to believe 
that you can't continue to carry on the way you have been. Now, last question is, um, how do you, so in this moment, there are a lot of people that you, we both probably know who are frustrated, who feel like they have done everything right, right? They voted, they've gone to the meetings, they've um, written their Congress people, and, and it doesn't seem like the system has actually changed to benefit the lives of people of color or marginalized people. Um, what do you what do you say to people who ask you what can I do? What do you say to people who ask you uh, how do you still have hope in these moments when when it seems like we are up against uh, something that we cannot be? I would say be on the offense. Don't just be content and satisfied that you are enlightened and that you understand the race conversation because that's not enough. You got to make sure your uncle knows and that your granddad knows and that you are prepared to say something, you know, when someone expresses that racist sentiment to you and you have to be willing to do that crazy stuff that these white people are doing now that I, that I love to death. I love this new culture of white allies. I love this new culture of white allies who, though they have their flaws, these people care and they, most importantly, they set an example for others. And so I would say learn to be an ally and find out what the movement is like where you are. So you got a BLM chapter, chapter, hit them up. If you've got a showing up for racial justice chapter, hit them up, like participate. And what makes a good ally a good ally? A good ally is someone who goes out of their way to try to understand their place in the racial conversation. So this is someone who cares about racial justice and cares about the well-being, you know, of blacks, uh, of Muslims, whatever the group may be at the time, but doesn't, mistake that care for 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 virtue or, or righteousness i would also say action because uh, i i know there are a lot of allies you can you can virtue signal or you can sort of and there's a lot of people who who may want to speak out but they'll say i don't know like if it's okay to say this and i would rather correct you um for speaking out and you be wrong than you not speak at all because then there's no difference um so i think just being willing being willing to take that first step you know, speaking out, coming to a protest, plugging into an organization is the most important thing. Um, just to go back to your original question, um, plugging into an organization, having a group of people that you can stick to some organized goals um, and continue to fight, that, re- that replenishes you and it keeps you focused. Um, and if I can add on the, the sort of last part of the question as well, uh, the thing that gives me faith is that I know that in America, uh, true change has only come about uh, you know, true progressive change, racial justice has only come about in moments of crisis. So you look at um, after the Civil War, there is Reconstruction. Um, uh, during the Great Depression, uh, there's the New Deal. That's the only way you can get something that progressive in this country. Um, although, it, you know, did leave out black people, but um, it's 2008, right? Um, that only comes out after the recession. So knowing that when we're, if you're at the darkest point, knowing that it's a long haul, um, you know, Obama always says that progress is not linear. Um, it zigs and zags, and this is very true. Um, so sometimes when you're seeing the, the darkest point, I saw many, many young people on that alt-right rally, but I saw so many people, so many more people from the Charlottesville community, so many people from different states and cities busting out to defend our community. And that was really empowering. Um, and I know that we will be able to organize uh, even stronger um, because of this. And how can people find you on social media? We are BFAAT. U-V-A on Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, Devin and Wes, thanks so much for being here with Pod Save the People. Consider your friend of the pod and uh, hope that we can reconnect under better circumstances. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And now my conversation with Danielle, who is the lead for the NAACP chapter at the University of Virginia. So, Danielle, I would love to know what the what the climate is like in Charlottesville today and what it was like uh, for the past couple of days that you all have been out in the streets in response to uh, the white supremacist rally. Um, the climate in Charlottesville, it's breathtaking, um, to say the least. I've had students frantically calling me there in distraught um, because this is not the Charlottesville that we know. This is not the University of Virginia that we know. We are supposed to return to school next Friday, and a lot of the students are just in complete disbelief that this is occurring. All of those people that, you know, were a part of that alt-right rally, 
all of them are not from the Charlottesville area. And I think that's one um, misconstrued fact. And that's really going to affect our enrollment at the university. Um, so I think that's just one thing that needs to be clear because everyone's just looking at Charlottesville and just saying, um, Charlottesville, 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 as if this is just some, this bad place. And I, I do agree that Charlottesville has some issues. I go to all of the city council meetings for a reason. Was it primarily uh, older people that you saw marching in with the white supremacists? Was it women? Was it men? Was it kids? Like who, who was out there? Um, with the supremacists, I primarily saw men, uh, white males. Um, I didn't see a lot of old, old white males. I would say they ranged in, uh, from ages maybe 18 to, I would say, maybe 38. And I didn't see many children. I think I saw very few women because it actually stood out to me. I saw one woman and I was like, wow, uh, because I hadn't seen that many uh, women. I saw a few Asian Americans with them. I actually saw um, a white male um, pull out a sword on a black male and he was like turning it as if he was going to hit him. And I was right next to a police officer. So I walked up to the police officer and um, we were essentially like, Hey, do you see that? And the police just laughed. He didn't give a response at all. Were the police like involved in managing the white supremacists? It didn't look like it from, from the outside, but you were there. So what it looked like was, and this is the same for the July rally. It looked as though, uh, the white supremacists were on one side and the police were actually in front of them, blocking them off so that no one could, um, I guess, get to them. Um, and that was that morning at the rally. That was the morning. And um, I know that when I got to the rally, because I got there a little bit later, but when I got to the rally, I walked up and they had shut down um, part of the street and the police were in front of us and there was a few you know, I guess allies, you would call them allies for, you know, people who are fighting for justice and who do not stand for hatred and want to spread love. There were a few allies, maybe about 20 of us, but about 50 police officers in front of us. And when I turned around, there was an alleyway to my left and there was about 25 white supremacists in, um, in gear um, with their guns just ready. So it was almost like we were cornered to a certain extent. And what comes next? So this just showed up on your doorstep. Uh, you didn't invite them in. They, they, they were there. Uh, what, what is next? How do you, uh, how does the city respond to this? How, what does it mean for you as a student at UVA, knowing that this is how um, essentially your year is starting? What's next? Um, so we definitely have a lot of work to do because, again, like I said, this issue is not uh, specific to Charlottesville. It, it, Charlottesville was the setting and the University of Virginia was the setting, but this is an issue that, you know, is bigger than us. It's an issue that is ongoing and it's an American issue and we have to address it. But as far as, you know, action goes, we can't just get out there and protest and rally and send a message to the white supremacists without having action behind it. And I think that it's important for the media to continue to follow the story. So not only look at the rallies, but look at how we go to city council meetings. I remember being at the city council meeting back in January um, when the city council initially voted on the statute. Two of them voted to keep the statute. Two of them voted to remove the statute and one sustained his vote. He would not vote. And I believe it was at least standing room outside of the building. So not even just in the room where the city council meeting was held. It was standing room outside of um, the building. The last thing we really want is for students to feel like they don't belong at the university. Um, we already are African-American students and we go to the University of Virginia there is a long history. I mean, Thomas Jefferson was the founder of the school. Uh, so there's a lot of work for us to do, but we're definitely trying to tackle it and make sure that we do our best to ensure that everyone feels safe and that 
something like this doesn't happen again. It honestly felt like something I was reading about in a textbook, something I had read in elementary school. Honestly, that's what it felt like. I was, I was not surprised that it had occurred, but I was, it was a shocker for me to actually live through it. Well, Danielle, thanks so much for joining us on Pod Save the People and uh, consider you a friend of the pod. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you covering this. I can't thank you enough. And here's a conversation with Governor Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, joining us again on the pod, this time to talk about Charlottesville. Governor McAuliffe, thank you for joining us again on Pod Save the People. We had you a couple of weeks ago, and and now uh, we're talking under a very different set of circumstances. I'd just like to start off, and you know, I, I like the rest of this country, saw your speech the other day, um, and I know that you have been uh, traveling today, uh, talking to people across the state, and and I think that you visited the families of the troopers who who died in the helicopter crash. Um, can you just talk for people who were not in Charlottesville, people who aren't in Virginia, uh, what is the mood in, in Virginia at this point? Um, and what is your take on what happened? Well, I just finished up. I just We just had a major rally here in Richmond, a reconciliation rally. A large crowd came out. I was in Charlottesville. I spoke at the Mount Zion and First Baptist churches this morning. I went to the hospital. Uh, thanked all the first responders, the doctors. I went to the command center. I thank the state police, the local um, folks today. And then, unfortunately, I spent the afternoon visiting uh, the families of the two state troopers. This was really hard on me, DeRay. Both of these individuals were like family to me. Um, Lieutenant uh, Jay Cullen was the helicopter pilot for the last three and a half years who has flown me almost on a daily basis throughout the Commonwealth. And uh, Trooper Burke Bates was part of my executive protection unit, the folks that are with me 24 hours, seven days a week. And they unfortunately went down in a helicopter crash. And I went and visited uh, Karen Cullen and her two teenage sons today. And then I went by and saw Amanda Bates and her two beautiful children. It's just heartbreaking. Uh, But, you know, we lost three individuals uh, in addition to Heather Heyer, who was a 32-year-old who was maliciously murdered by a gentleman, uh, a terrorist car incident where he deliberately, I believe intentionally, ran his car into a crowd. And uh, very, very sad. But, you know, yesterday we had about a thousand alt-right folks uh, come to Virginia. Vast majority of those individuals were not from Virginia. They came to our beautiful state. Many of them came armed. They came with armor on. They came with riot gear on and helmets. They came to our beautiful city and state to hurt people, to spew their hatred, to spew their bigotry. And as I made clear yesterday, there is no place for them uh, in this great commonwealth. But in fairness, there's no place for them in this country. And I think it's important that every elected official stand up, call it for what it is, We will not tolerate white supremacy. We will not tolerate these Nazi groups. And people need to call them out for their bigotry and hatred. I think we need a full discussion on how did we get to this place uh, in this country today, this great, beautiful country of ours with the hatred. If You know, I I was there yesterday. The language, the things that they said about members of the African-American community, I'm just sickened. I'm repulsed at who these people They like to say they're patriots. They're not patriots. They're anything but patriots. And they're dividing our country, their hatred. There's no place for it today. And I don't want them here. I don't want them here. I don't want them in America. They don't belong here. I don't believe they're Americans for the way they talk. But, you know, I want to commend all the people. I want to thank all my law enforcement, the Charlottesville PD and the state police. I had the National Guard down there for the first time in 28 years. The Guard was called up for domestic situation. What made you declare the state of emergency that, that, that mobilized the National Guard? Well, we did that a couple of days ago, DeRay. You have to do that ahead of time. I did that on Thursday. Okay. Um, informed because we had been tipped off, and honestly, we worked. I do want to thank the FBI, the DHS, and all the other federal agencies who worked with us. Uh, we were told early on that they were coming. They were bringing weapons. They were told to bring weapons to the Commonwealth to protect themselves. Hmm. Uh, If you see people yesterday walking down the street, DeRay, with semi-automatic rifles strapped on their body, I mean, they had better armor 
than my state police and National Guard had. Wow. So we knew they were coming to hurt people. We knew they were coming here to do damage. So we were alerted to it. And I'm very proud, uh, except for put the car incident aside, there no one no one went to the hospital except for those 20 people, 19 people and the person who died from the car incident. Not one single person went to the hospital. Not one shot was fired. And believe it or not, not one ounce of property damage. I mean, I was very concerned, not only about individuals, but I was concerned about property damage. They put this, unfortunately, they tried to move it to a park a couple miles away in a more rural, remote area, a large field, which would have been appropriate. Unfortunately, we were sued by the ACLU and the judge uh, acquiesced and allowed them to stay in the middle of the city. So when the state police and the uh, uh, Charlottesville police went in, they cleared the park in about 11 minutes. And then, of course, they scattered throughout the city. But as I say, no damage. Nobody went to the hospital with injuries except for, and as you know, DeRay, it's impossible to stop a deranged individual, uh, a murderer who will get in his car. And I believe when it finally comes out, he fully intended to use his car as a weapon. And the only people injured that went to the hospital were from that car incident. But for that, uh, we'd be having a different conversation here today. And then unfortunately, as of course, uh, one of our state police helicopters went down and we don't know the circumstances behind that. But uh, so we had three fatalities, one of them directly related uh, to the alt-right white supremacy group. And, you know, if you look at the blogs and you look on what's being said, that the gentleman had written papers about neo-Nazism and so forth. So, you know, listen, um, we're stronger today, DeRay, because of them. They came here, they lost, and they've made us stronger. As I said in the churches today, this is a time of reconciliation. And I know it's hard uh, after something like this. And it's really hard for me. I lost two very good friends uh, last night. But this is the time, uh, and it's hard in the face of evil, but we have to come together as a nation and work together. Everybody is, op, you know, equal opportunity, due process, equal opportunity of education and so forth. And that's what we got to get back to uh, in this country. We've got to get away from this hatred. You did call a state of emergency on Saturday, right? Well, no, I'd authorized it the day before, actually Thursday for the guard. Okay. But remember, the, the state of emergency only deals with the guard. It, it doesn't, it was the state police that actually went into the park. That, that's okay. not related to my state of emergency. Okay. Uh, that only allows my guard to assist. And, you know, they assisted later. But, you know, the command, it was a unified command down there. And the Charlottesville police were in charge. And they did a magnificent job. And we were there to support the state police. And the guard was there to support my state police. So uh, they did a great job. But, I mean, the declaration didn't, you know, that, that only relates to the guard. Got it. Now, um, you know, in the speech that you gave that we all saw across the country, you said a right to speech is not a right to violence. Uh, and David Duke, who used to be one of the leaders of the KKK across the country, he said that you didn't believe in free speech and that your statement was an infringement on their free speech. What's your response to that? <laughs> David Duke ought to crawl in a hole and never be seen or heard from again in this country. His vile hatred, his disgusting language, there is no place for it in this country. Uh, I believe in free speech. And let me tell you that if you want to come and you want to peacefully come, but DeRay, let me say this again. They came into our beautiful city armed, ready for battle. They were told to bring weapons. And if you look at the video, they started throwing bottles at the police. They threw Coke cans that had put cement into the cans. They would throw bottles of urine. They were here for a fight and they wanted to hurt people. And so I really don't care what David Duke says. I've never cared what David Duke says. And, you know, people like David Duke are the problem in this country today. Um, this idea of white supremacy, I, I, I don't even know what that means. And to be a Nazi, what I think of the Nazis, you think of Adolf Hitler, and I think of 6 million members of the Jewish faith who were slaughtered. There, people fight and died for the right in this country. And who are these people to come in here and think they're somewhat superior? They're not. Let me tell you this. They are not superior at all. And I am very proud of the clergy uh, who was out there yesterday. I am very proud of the University of Virginia University students. Friday night when 200 people came on their campus with torches 
and uh, they stopped them from defacing their university. So I'm proud of the people who stood up and said, we're not going to tolerate your intolerance. There's no place for it here in Virginia. And what about Trump's statement? Disappointed. I, I was very public today. I do think the president ought to come out. I think he's clarified it once or twice. Um, he, he needs to come out tomorrow as I did. Listen, there was no equivocation on my part. I came out and I was very clear. They're white supremacists. They are Nazis. They breed hatred and bigotry and they divide people. And we don't want them. I don't want them. I told them to go home. And the president needs to say the same thing. The president needs to say that we as a nation are not going to tolerate. You're wrong. We don't want you here in this country either. He needs to say the same thing that I said to send a very strong message. No, not equivocate. Strong, clear. Uh, everybody, this is, listen, we are a land of immigrants. Uh, as I remind everybody, unless you're Native American, DeRay, in 1607, those three ships came over from England. And as you know, the African-American community, the first came to our shores, to Fort Monroe in 1619, and it was not voluntary. And the idea that these white supremacists think they're somehow superior and they have rights over other individuals is just plain wrong. Now, just a few more questions is, uh, you know, I, like many other people, saw this either on social media or on a TV and um, and like you said, that there were not many people that went to the hospital, only those people who were involved in the in the car, uh, the car incident. Uh, we did see so many melees happen or, or con physical confrontations between the white supremacists and the counter protesters. And there were some instances where it looked like the police were just allowing it to happen. And we saw even a, another video where. Uh, there were white supremacists physically actually pushing the police and and their response seemed to be so different than what we've seen in other cities. So just wanted to understand more about why you think uh, why you think the re police response was different. Or do you think that uh, that what we saw on TV just wasn't uh, representative of what was happening on the ground? Well, listen, all I can tell you and uh, I didn't you know, I went down. First of all, they didn't want me there during the operations, obviously, to take security away from and focus away from what they're doing. So, you know, I got there about five o'clock after the cessation of activities and did a press conference. But uh, from my communication, the police were instructed, protect life and liberty. And they did that. As I say, nobody went to the hospital except for the incidents with the car. Uh, no, not a single ounce of damage was done. I was very worried they were going to destroy the main street of Charlottesville and take out all the plate glass windows. Um, you know, we had an incident a couple, about a month ago with the Ku Klux Klan. And at that point in time, the police were criticized because they were too aggressive. You know, I get tired of the police. Uh, you know, these folks were on that line protecting us and they did a magnificent job. I do think DeRay, they were on very heightened alert because of the amount of weapons that we had been told and had seen uh, who came to Charlottesville. This was a very dis different situation. These folks came armed, and our biggest concern is that shots would be fired, and you could have a melee inside that park where a 1,000 people were jammed there. But I'm very proud. Not a single shot was fired. But just understand, DeRay, most of those people there were either open carry or concealed carry. They all were around with weapons, and our police were very sensitive to the point of getting to the point where someone would just take out a gun and start firing. So we were very sensitized. We had very good intelligence of who was coming, what they were planning on doing. They had some very bad actors that had very bad history that we had been alerted were coming to Charlottesville. We knew what they were telling their fellow members to do when they got to Charlottesville. Um, they had battering rams and you know, we had picked up different weapons that they'd stashed around the city. I mean, this was a powder keg. Wow. This was a very volatile situation. And I once again say, I am very proud of our team on the ground. Nobody hurt except for those people that were hit by the car. And you couldn't stop that. And no property damage. I am very proud of our folks there to show the restraint not to get in a situation where somebody would get so angry and start firing. And if you had one person, DeRay, Thousand people jammed into that park with tensions running so high, hatred, vile. Uh, one person starts firing. Let me tell you, you and I would be having a different conversation here today. Uh, there would be body bags 
and it would have been a very, very serious situation. People have no idea what a volatile situation we were dealing with yesterday. Now, last few questions is, um, you know, you noted and the media has noted that uh, many people came from out of town uh, to, to participate in the uh, in 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 the events, whether they were the white supremacists or whether they were the counter protesters. Now, uh, to some people, they have said, you know, I talked to some some UVA students who were there who are black and go to UVA. And they noted that while people were from out of town, that there is still racial tension in Virginia and in Charlottesville. So, so what do you, how do you describe the work that is yet to be done with regard to race relations in Virginia or Charlottesville, um, given everything that's happened? And you are exactly right. And that is the, that is the speech I just gave here moments ago in Richmond. I said, now that these folks with their swastikas now with, and their Confederate flags have gone back to wherever, whatever hole they climbed out of, uh, now that they've left, but don't for one single thing for one second think that we don't have to deal with these issues ourselves here in in Virginia. Uh, Here in Richmond, we have had a horrible history, as you know, uh, in dealing with these issues. I'm very proud. I've restored more rights than any governor in the history of America. And I've had to fight and claw to do the basic things to give people back their civil rights and civil dignities. But we do have racism. We still have prejudice here and every state does. And we've got to lean in all of us together, and I'm convening all my folks tomorrow. I want to come up with a comprehensive plan. How do we go forward here? The world was looking at Virginia and Charlottesville yesterday, and I think we have an opportunity now to lead as a nation, as a state in a nation, to bring people together. But there's no question. We still, I still deal with it. I deal with the issues as, as, as it relates to issues of racism and bigotry and we've all got to work together and we've got to have a healing moment, a reconciliation moment, but we've got to come together and we've made such great progress. And that's why yesterday I was so angry. You know, you and I talked recently for an hour about all the progress that we've made here in Virginia and to have all of these folks come into our state and disrupt the great things that have been done to help motivate, you know, to provide education and for so many folks here and, and it's just disturbing, but I'm not angry anymore. I'm, I'm filled with sorrow. I have a broken heart today over uh, my two state police officers and their family and, and for Heather Heyer, who lost her life at 32 years old. But it's now time to bring that sorrow together and to bring people together in a reconciliation moment. And that's, that is what I preached today in the two churches that I was at. But you're right. And we got a lot of work. And I think Uh, And when I talked to the president on the phone yesterday, twice I said to him, we have got to stop the language, the hatred, the bigotry. And obviously, these folks who came here to Ray, they felt emboldened. They felt they could come here with weapons. They thought they could come here and hurt our people. And, you know, we pushed them back and we sent them back. And, you know, it's very unfortunate, but it's a learning lesson for us. And I think it empowers us. They, They didn't hurt us. They made us stronger. You said you talked to Trump yesterday? I did. He called me yesterday afternoon. Oh, I didn't know that. How'd that go? Well, he called. Obviously, he'd seen what was going on and the issues. And and I told the president uh, in the beginning of the call and the end of the call, there's too much hatred and bigotry. There's too much horrible rhetoric coming out. We have got to work together. And I said at the end, Mr. President, I'll work with you. Let us work together to reconcile, to bring people together. Everybody should have an opportunity. Nobody is superior to anyone else. We have got to work together. There are some people who believe that his campaign has contributed to this hate. You know what I say, and you know, I've seen some of that out today. I, let me just, you know, from 30,000 feet, I will say the rhetoric that has come out has created an environment today that we have in this country that people feel emboldened that they can spew their hatred. And all of us in, as governors and all of us as elected officials need to call this out and need to lead on this topic. But uh, I told the president, I want to work it. Let us go forward today, change the discourse. Let us work together in a positive way. So we'll see what happens to Ray. 
Cool. Last question is UVA uh, starts soon. You know, they, they were on campus on Friday night before the students were back, as you know, and, and Saturday school was still yep. not started for the fall. What do you say to the UVA students who might be new to campus and are, are now worried about coming to Virginia, coming to campus because of this climate, the UVA students who are returning to campus or even their parents or the residents of Charlottesville who who now think about this community as a place that might not be as safe for them as it was uh, or as they thought it might have been before. What do you say to those people? Well, let me say this. First of all, we are a very safe state. We were safe on uh, before Saturday, and we are safe after. These folks came in. They got a permit uh, to come in and to bring their vile and hatred. I'm all for free speech, but I don't think you could sh- free speech entitles you to come in I don't think that those people, and listen, they declared an unlawful, unlawful assembly at about 11.15 yesterday. The rally didn't even start till noon, so they never even had the rally. Uh, the state police went in and local went in and cleared the park out. So they never even got, you know, the rally didn't even start till it was a permit from noon to five, and they never got to it. I mean, by 11.30 something, that park was empty, and then people were dispersed. But I just got back from Charlottesville. And uh, I went down early this morning. I walked the streets. It is calm. Uh, Everybody is gone and everybody's gone back to their business. And as I said, unfortunately, many of these people came into our state. Now they've left our state. And I hope they never, ever, ever come back. And just so I'm clear, this is just a point of clarity. The troopers who were killed in the helicopter crash, was that related at all to the rally? Well, yeah, we had two state police helicopters down there, DeRay, yesterday, who were doing uh, aerial observance and working uh, to provide pictures and, you know, being able to send information down on the ground so they knew where groups were congregating. But, yes, they were there all day. Okay. Uh, Two two state trooper helicopters were in the air all day yesterday. In in one crashed? In one crashed, yes. One uh, went down at about uh, 5, 5.30 yesterday. And the F, you know, everybody is down there uh, doing an investigation. And, you know, as I say, such a sad situation. But they were deployed. They had been since early in the morning, they'd been eight or nine hours doing aerial observance, you know, to watch folks as they moved around the city. Got it. Well, Governor McAuliffe, thank you so much for joining again on Pod Save the People. Appreciate you helping to to talk about these issues. And I hope that the next time we talk, it's under different circumstances. Thanks, DeRay. I really appreciate it. Well, that's it. Thanks for joining Pod Save the People. Uh, With this bonus episode, the regularly scheduled Tuesday episode will be up tomorrow on Tuesday. Uh, And and at that time, we'll have a discussion about the events in Charlottesville. I wanted to do this bonus pod today so that we could uh, get some voices of people who are on the ground and people in Virginia uh, unfiltered right here for you. So make sure, as usual, that you rate the pod, that you share with your friend, and we'll see you tomorrow. A car is never just a car. Kelly Blue Book knows it's so much more than that. It's your commuting chariot, your road trip refuge, your I just need a reason to get out of the house. Your car is there for everything. And for everything car, there's Kelly Blue Book. Need a new set of wheels? Price it on Kelly Blue Book. Problem under the hood? Fix it with Kelly Blue Book. Can another car do the job better? Trade it or sell it on Kelly Blue Book. We're here mile after mile, moment after moment. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it. KBB.com. Visit kellybluebook.com to get the journey started. Posse of the People is brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, y'all, the beginning of this year has just been a lot going on, like from work and family and friends and just, you know, the weather's been awful in New York City and Baltimore. There are a lot of stresses happening, big and small, and we keep them bottled up. It can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com people today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash people.